Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus is found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was a faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a simple, sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they? Who heard and rebelled? Were they not those that Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have heard the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And then again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For as Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters. God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thanks, Sammy. <clears throat> um, thank you for that introduction. 
That was really beautiful. Like, I just feel so much better about being in this space now. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, the concept of rest is something I have always been so drawn to. Um, it's a, like, it's a, an idea, a pursuit that I've always been like, yeah, I really want to get there. Um, and let me say from the outset, I suck at it. Like, I'm just, I'm terrible at resting. Um, and I don't know why, but it's just the reality. Like, it just, it never seems to go the way that I had planned. And maybe that's the problem. Like, I, I plan it or something. Um, and then the other side of me thinks is, like, if anyone's familiar with Enneagram, I'm really not, but I know a little bit. And I know that I'm type three, which is the achiever. So to the point where, like, I'm sitting there listening to that meditation and thinking, what materials do we need? What equipment do we need to pull off a New City Church meditation app? <laughs> really not a useful thing um, that, that's kind of where my mind goes constantly so I don't work so hard who else is who, who's good at rest who would say that they're pretty good at rest yep one uh, new leader yep <laughs> Eddie yep you, you're becoming good you said okay who would say that they're moderately good at rest okay a moderate number of people. Um, and who's kind of in my side of things where we just kind of suck at it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we, we've got a good, a good little scope of things. Um, who feels in their heart that they need to rest better? Yeah. Does anyone feel like they're genuinely doing it well and kind of... Come on, Elkie? You feel like, you, yeah, that, that's fantastic. Like, let's celebrate that. I feel like I spend a lot of time Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Um, I'm sitting next to you at the pub. Um, yeah. Um, it's interesting. The, the concept of rest is so important to me, but I struggle with it so much. So you would think that a passage on rest in Hebrews, that it's a passage that I would really like. Honestly... Preparing for this message, I really struggled to prepare it. Not because I don't like the idea of rest, but because I, I found the wording of this passage quite harsh and quite strong. And I realized the way that I've always been taught this passage isn't how I read it these days. So let me, let me explain that. The way that I've always been taught this passage is that rest is heaven or the new creation. Um, and so the goal of this life is to get to heaven, if you will, and we suck it up for now. Uh, and so the passage then, if, you, if that's the kind of the lens that you go with it is, as, is um, I have a promised rest for you, so hold on. Uh, and one day in, yeah, good, like 60 years, you'll get there. That, that's kind of how I, I read this passage. And then when you read it like that, the opposite of rest is hell, and uh, falling short is doubting and being deceived by the sinfulness of the heart is questioning. Um, and so I just remember lying awake at night so many times thinking, oh no, is my heart getting hard? Um, <laughs> um, is that a hardness? Is that hard? Is that part of my heart hard? And it was this really uh, introspective wrestling saying like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find some dirt there somewhere. Um, uh, I want to suggest tonight that that is not a helpful... Re it is a potential reading of this passage. And I, I could, it could well be that that is how the passage is supposed to be read, and that's true. Um, but I'm going to, I guess, 
take a slightly different tact and see, bring a different lens. And I, I hope that maybe you'll find something in there that is um, uh, applicable and relevant from the outset, I've already said I'm not spectacular at rest. So I wanted a bit of a discussion. I've invited Eddie and Henna a little bit later on to come up and just share some thoughts around rest as well. So we're going to have a bit of a discussion um, with the, the three of us. Um, uh, last week, Karen reminded us that the, thr- the thrust of Hebrews, it feels quite, quite aggressive sometimes. Uh, and... We were reminded that the reason that it feels that way is because there's these really strong warnings and it's easy to think about what we've been uh, saved from. Uh, We've been saved from these certain negatives. The thrust of Hebrews is to say really strongly what we've been saved to. Yeah, so there's kind of a different mindset. We've been saved from, or the emphasis, what we've been saved to. Tonight, we've been saved to rest. We uh, We have been saved in order that or uh and so therefore we can rest and so the emphasis is there and i want to suggest that uh, rest is not just a future state it's not just when i close my eyelids in death then i rest i want to say that actually rest is breaking in now and that rest is a part of the christian life and it's a tangible reality that should shape the way that we move through the world yeah Beautiful. So that's kind of where we're, we're heading. Um, but I think some context is good. Um, I said a, a couple of weeks ago that Hebrews is a type of Jewish literature called Midrash, where it takes these ideas in the Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures, and it weaves them into a new context. That's what we're doing uh, tonight. And the main character in Hebrews 3 and 4 is, or a, a main character, is Moses. So I thought it would be good just to kind of go back to the Moses story. Um, Some of you will be really familiar with this. Some of you, it might be new territory. But um, uh, let's picture Moses before the burning bush. Really key kind of scene. Um, It's brilliant cinematography. Um, I I wonder how you picture it. uh, The way I'm picturing it is brilliant. Um, uh, Fire on this bush, but the bush isn't burning. And Moses, this Israelite who has fled from Egypt after killing somebody, uh, he is standing before this burning bush and the bush isn't actually disintegrating in the flames. And so he's like, oh, this is odd. And a voice comes from the burning bush. And we're told that it's the voice of Yahweh, the voice of the God of Israel, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, And it says, I have heard the cries of my people. I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. Israel is in slavery in Egypt. And this voice, Yahweh, speaks from this bush and he says, I have come to rescue them, to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, I have come to lead my people into a land of rest. I've come to lead my people out of oppression, out of slavery, out of the hands of the whips to a land that is flowing with milk and honey, uh, the, the promised land. Now, uh, milk and honey is a strange idea 
Um, it, literally, it's like a land oozing with milk and honey. That's how the word is normally translated, oozing, which makes it even weirder. Um, uh, I would think of it as a place of abundance. There's everything that you could possibly need in this land, and it's a land of peace. There's no more war taking place. You have everything that you could possibly need. So, like, I, you know, in my little world, I frame it as something like a land of, like, good, crunchy fried chicken and, uh, you know, all the nice salads you could imagine. Like, it's just a good feast. Like, ah, I can sit and I can relax. And this place is hospitable. Uh, this land serves me, and I can rest here. Um, so, so Moses, uh, okay, first there's a little freak out, but he, he ends up trusting God. Um, welcome, there's a seat just here. Welcome, that's so good to see you. Um, <laughs> um, so Moses ends up going back to Egypt, to uh, this place where the, the Israelites are being oppressed, and he leads them out. There's that whole series of, of um, plagues that takes place, but he leads them out. And into the wilderness, they pass through the Red Sea, and they get to the, the edge of the promised land. There's, there's land flowing with milk and honey, uh, and they panic. They panic. Uh, why? Why do they? Well, I, I don't think there's a few reasons. Um, one, and that's kind of the one that the, the Bible gives consistently, is that they, they didn't trust that God would lead them into this rest. They, they didn't trust. Uh, that God was capable of it. Um, the, the, the other side of me thinks, no, I'd be pretty scared as well. If I was a nation that had just like escaped another nation and I was just like walking into it, like it'd be quite scary. And Steph pointed out a little while ago that there's, there's some problems in this text that we just have to sit with. Um, the idea of um, kind of a nation overthrowing another nation, the way that, um, the way that, Colonial, colonialization has taken place, imperialism. There, there's some of those ideas coming up in the text. And so I just want to put that out there. We, we sit with those. We don't run away from those. Uh, we, we can't shy away from the texts in our holy scriptures that are uncomfortable and problematic. Um, and, and maybe at the pub afterwards, we'd love to chat about that. Um, but as we're talking about rest tonight, and that's kind of what we're looking at in Hebrews... Uh, the idea that I think we're supposed to see is that God has taken Israel out of oppression and he's promising them rest. Like a big breath of, oh, I can finally exist in peace. Um, they, they don't make it in because they panic. They don't, they don't think that it will actually take place. And so they walk back into the wilderness and for 40 years they wander. And that's what Hebrews 3 is all about. Uh, that's the, the people that heard God's voice in the wilderness. Um, and in the end, uh, only two people from that whole generation of Israelites ever saw that land flowing with good fried chicken and salad. The only two people made it in. Um, uh, interestingly, though, um, and here's kind of a, a, a little insight, which I really appreciated. As they were walking around the wilderness, God was like, no, you still need to rest. Like, you still need to be fed and, and the land still needs to be hospitable. And so he gave them these laws. Um, and in the laws, um, you might know them as kind of Leviticus. Um, in the laws, there's all these ideas of rest if you weave through it. And they're often associated with the number seven. So uh, on the seventh day of every week, there is to be a Sabbath. Uh, the word Sabbath 
um, kind of has two different meanings. One is to cease, literally, like to, to stop. And the other one is to be sacred. Um, and so once every seven days, there is to be this rest day. Then once every seven years, um, they're actually not allowed to farm their paddocks, their fields. Um, it's written into the, the Jewish laws. They were to give the land a rest. How good is that? Like, it's this sustainability built into the way that they do their agriculture. Um, and then seven times seven, once every 49 years, any slaves that were taken within the Hebrew nation had to be released. Um, and there was a validation of their dignity to say, we, we don't own you. Um, you are humans made in the image of God in your own right. And so uh, this idea of rest just keeps coming up over and over again. Um, they complain, and they complain and complain. And there's this great moment where God sends manna, this food to feed them. Um, and they're, like, they're literally getting food from the heavens. And there's a, a moment in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 11, where they complain and they say, at least in Egypt we had meat. Um, at least in Egypt we had, they literally say, melons, onions, and leeks. Like, that, that's the word in Numbers 11. At, le- at least we had it. And you kind of want to look at them and be like, guys, but don't you remember? Like, you were literally slaves. Like, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a place of rest for you. It wasn't a place of freedom for you to exist. Um, the story of Moses, the story of Exodus, uh, the story of the promised land that Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 are asking us to remember, it's a story of God bringing the oppressed up. It's a story of God bringing people who are downtrodden into the center of history and giving them a name and a home. It's the story of God taking a tired, exhausted, weary, defeated people and saying, here is rest. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful God that we have. Uh, that, that is the character of God. That's the business that he is in. Uh, we saw that in Miriam's story and a song and Mary's song. Steph brought us through a little while ago. That, that's the God that we have. He, uh, he longs for people just to take that sigh of, oh, I can rest. I can rest. Um, couple of, uh, or just one thing as we reflect on that. I wonder what that means for uh, our First Nations people in our context. And I think that's something that we have a lot of parallels in, in this story. Uh, what does it mean for uh, our Aboriginal peoples to be able to rest? And one of the things that I notice in this story is that in order for the Israelites to work, rest, a couple of people had to work hard. Uh, Moses had to work really hard. Joshua had to work really hard. Uh, God had to work really hard. Um, And I wonder if there's something in that for us to reflect on as a church. Um, How do we, looking at people who have historically uh, had their lands taken, who have historically been um, marginalized, oppressed, how how do we work to write that? Um, I think rest and work go hand in hand. Sometimes rest, sometimes work. That's an area where perhaps we need to work. Um, Back in Hebrews 3 and 4, uh, the context of Hebrews, pressure is mounting. Uh, for a few decades, 
people have been following this new Jesus, this new Messiah, and persecution is starting to break out. Um, it's potential that people are starting to get cold feet, and so they're, they're starting to be scared. Uh, we know from a little bit later on the book, no one's died yet in this little context. Uh, no one has shed blood, it says in Hebrews 11 and 12, but like that's a pretty low bar. Like, <laughs> if it gets to that point, you know that there's been some steps before that. Um, so clearly, um, there, there's pressure mounting, and the temptation is to ask, is Jesus worth it? Is it worth it to keep following Jesus? Give up. Uh, give up because you're being mocked, you're being spat on, you're being ridiculed. And I wonder if the parallel here is kind of going, look, mo- what Moses gave Israel in rest was really good, uh, but... They couldn't fix their eyes on it. But think about Jesus. Think about the rest that Jesus gives. It is so far superior. Jesus himself says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it strikes me in Hebrews, and then also in the life of Jesus, uh, that rest is not just a passive state. Rest isn't just a a passive state. Rest in this situation is an active deliverance from structures that wear us down. Does that make sense? Uh, In both of these stories, rest is not just a passive state. Uh, Rest is an active deliverance from those things that wear us down. And so I want to go on a little theological tangent here. Um, The word eschatology, it's a great word. Uh, It means it's the theology of end times. Uh, Some people particularly in kind of charismatic Pentecostal movements, they would say that uh, that anything that is reserved for heaven and the new creation, we have access to now. So healing, raising of the dead, communion with God uh, intimately, um, that, that's something that we can have now. And the critique has often gone um, in those situations that they have an over-realized eschatology. Uh, that, that's the word that we use. So, okay, we're not quite in heaven yet. There's still some things to wait for. The tradition I'm from has swung the pendulum way the other direction um, and has said, oh, you're tired? Mm, You're going to die one day and you'll be restful. Um, Or you're looking for healing. Um, That's okay. Your soul is healed and one day you'll meet Jesus. And that's kind of it. That's a tradition I've kind of experienced. And that's a caricature. But um, uh, And I call that an under-realized eschatology. Um, I think what we're reading here tonight is balancing out that pendulum. Does I actually know, yeah, you will have rest in the new creation and for eternity, but you can also rest now. Um, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, not in the new creation, now. Like, I, I, will, I will give you rest. Um, Anita Armstrong, a theologian, says, the original vision of Sabbath calls us to cease doing something, acquiring things, making stuff, expecting returns. Instead, we are called to just be and receive the Creator's good gifts. Forget stifling restrictions. Instead, time is savoured as a precious gift from God. Time for your body to stretch and your soul to relax. Uh, 
in my heart of hearts, um, if I'm really honest, I think often I struggle to rest because if I rest, I then have to question, well, where is my worth? Uh, I, I've bought the lie that busyness is equal to value. Um, or I've, I've bought the lie that achievement equals success. That That's where I so naturally come from, that climbing the ladder is victory. Uh, and so I settle for a God who is by definition defined by scarcity rather than abundance. Uh, and if you're anything like me, um, yeah, you, you've bought that lie over and over and over again to the point where it's really hard to find your value if you stop. Um, and so I naturally came back to this passage and said, but wait a minute, like, doesn't God's word need to go out? Like, do, don't we need to do justice and love mercy? Like, aren't there lots of things that we need to be doing in order to, you know, be a Christian? Um, and then I came across verses 12 and 13 of chapter 4. These are verses which I have always read as really threatening. But I want to take a different tack. Let me read them for you. Verses 12 and 13. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. You can see why I found them threatening. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Um, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. I always read that as, um, you know, that hardness of your heart, Joel. Um, God can see it and he's judging it. Uh, and he sees you. You can hide it from other people. Like you can hide it from the church, but no, no. He, like, he just looks straight on. It. That's, that's kind of how I had always read it. Um, and then I put it in context. It's amazing what context can do. Um, the context of that passage is saying sometimes you just need to rest. And I come at that and say, no, I can't rest because there's other things that need to be done. And God says, no, no, no. God's word is far more powerful than you, Joel. Um, God's word is far sharper than you will ever be. Um, God's purposes are bigger than you. Um, you think that you can go out and solve the world's problems. God looks straight to the heart. Uh, you don't need to use yourself as a weapon um, because God gently is lifting up the oppressed and tearing down the oppressor. And he doesn't need you. That sucks. <laughs> I, I like being needed. Um, but at the end of the day, God is saying, rest. That, at this point, is your job. So Jesus says, your value is not in your productivity. Uh, if only you would believe that, you would be able to rest. Uh, Jesus says, your value is not tied up in your busyness. If only you would believe that you'll be able to rest. Um, uh, it struck me though, for me, and it sounds like it's true for many in this room, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Uh, you can lead a person to the Sabbath, but you can't make them rest. That's just the reality that we find ourselves in. So let me just finish with this statement um, as, as before we jump into discussion with Hannah and Eddie. Um, our task in this passage is to recognize, I think, that one of the most powerful things, the most powerful gifts that Christians can offer the world 
is the ability to rest. Um, assured of the fact that we have a God who does not find our value in our busyness, but rather simply delights in who we are. Let me, let me just say that again, because I think this is for me the big take-home from Hebrews 3 and 4. Um, our task in this passage is to recognize that one of the most powerful gifts we can give the world is the ability to rest, fully assured that we have a God who does not find our value in our busyness, uh, but rather delights in who we are. Um, a God who delights in who you are. That, that's a beautiful prospect. That's a beautiful God that we have. Um, we've floated up in the stratosphere. Now we need to bring it down and rubber hits the road. So can I invite Eddie and Hannah up? Um, our local, bring a chair with you. Um, these are our local experts in rest. <laughs> I don't know if they'd agree. <laughs> um, I just think it's really valuable to hear the voices of it, our community. And yeah. Um, and as we go on, um, I think as we get bigger as a church, it's always really important that we have community voices speaking. It's never just kind of a few experts up the front. It's actually saying, okay, well, you know, how, how are we experiencing this as a community? So um, maybe a quick introduction of yourselves. Uh, for people who don't know you, um, like name and a little bit about what you do through the week. And then say, like, um, it, do you find yourself to be good at rest? Um, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm Eddie. Um, what I do through the week right now is I'm on sabbatical, so I guess I have mastered rest a little bit. No, but um, yeah, it's interesting because I was driving here and I thought um, we typically define ourselves by what we do. Okay? Mm. And so I thought it was interesting because I'm like, well, I'm not really doing anything right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I just I asked that question. After all that. I like, don't know how I define myself yeah, at yeah. this point, but I'm just me. I love people, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, my background is in leadership and management roles, but most recently in counseling and meeting people where they are mm. in their journey. And what was the question? Do I rest well? Yeah, what are you... Um, well, I have been on a beach for a week and drinking <laughs> to the tonic. That's so, why you're here. Yeah, but um, something you said um, in your sermon about just achieving, it resonates with me because mm. in my entire life has been about that, like having the best job, having the best title. I needed that COO role. You know, I needed to be at the top. And mm. so even leading into a place where I decided to go on sabbatical, I felt tremendous guilt because I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing? Mm. What, what's my purpose? You know? mm. is, is this okay? Like, is God blessing this? Mm. Is this, what are you guys going to say? Hey, what's mm. the world going to say? Mm. Because, yeah, so as far as um, resting well, I think... It's a process. I've learned how important it is. And one of the beautiful gifts God has given me is understanding that I'm not alone and that I can rest in God. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Yeah. You're like a textbook case for tonight. That's brilliant. <laughs> I felt like you wrote prepared. the sermon for me. Yeah. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, because I don't feel so bad taking a break. <laughs> um, Hannah. So I'm Hannah. During the week, I work as a community service worker at Wayside Chapel, which is a homelessness support service in King's Cross. Um, I'm definitely not an expert at rest. Um, and I also resonate with the... Um, I guess, bend towards achievement and perfection in life um, mm. Mm. and acknowledge that there are structures around us that just can push towards that. Mm. But I uh, also suffered burnout and fatigue very early in my life. So as soon as I finished school, I was forced to stop pretty much against my will. And so ever since then, uh, and even now, I'm still trying to work out what does rest mean and what does worth look like when mm. we're not doing mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, can I ask and feel free to say no at all um, what did it mean to be forced to stop like what did that look like for you mm. it's it was very painful and it, it still is painful mm. because I guess you have to read it feels like wasted time Mm. And there's a writer that I read who said, sickness is really interesting because we can kind of get away with feeling okay doing nothing and it's probably the only time we feel like we are okay mm. for not doing anything. Mm. Um, but since you brought up Enneagrams, I'm a type one and it actually made me feel... What's a type like, one? Sorry, a type one's a perfectionist. So mm-hmm. I... Um, just want to conquer whatever's in front of me the best way it can possibly be conquered mm. and um, when there's something physical and debilitating stopping you from that you get um, you have to find worth and I don't know if I found that yet but you've got all these things that you do and then you have your worth for just breathing and existing mm-hmm. and when this covers this up and you take this away that's really raw mm. and I think yeah mm. we need to find what that is and what does what does God delight in and what do we delight in when there's nothing else distracting us? Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you come across any pearls of wisdom in that journey? Like, that, have you found what that looks like? Feel free to say not yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, I haven't. Mm. I don't think so. I, um, well, maybe, like, rest as a discipline. I like that mm. you said rest is active. I think rest is a discipline that I'm trying to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in how mm-hmm. Eddie has become good at rest. I'm interested mm. in how you're practicing that actively and as a discipline. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's it's not easy and we have to push through, like you said. like we mm. can, There's all these pulls outside of rest and what do we anchor to in rest and, and where do we push through to get to a space of discipline? Mm. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I I offend some of my Christian friends because I say um, I have to put me first and people don't understand that because I'm supposed to put God first and I say very firmly that I can't put God first if I'm not putting me first and if I'm not right. Um, so I think what I've learned 
is that I have to pay attention to my body. And uh, I'm a number two, by the way, on the ground. <laughs> so I have a need to be <laughs> ready, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know that. And so... What, it, what is a number two? A number two is that need to be needed, okay. I, I believe. Yeah. That's what it, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so what's so important for me is that I'm giving in that space to everyone. Mm. And so I, I spent like the majority of my life not giving to myself. And, mm. and I could take it to the next level of not receiving either because mm. I was so busy and trying to give, give, give mm. that I didn't know how to receive. Yeah, so I think that's a big part of it for me. But mm. what you said about burnout is what really was that shift for me. I experienced my burnout. Um, at the end of my banking career, I was the chief operating officer. We were in the middle of a horrible merger, and I just was spinning. Mm-hmm. And so it took like total collapse for me mm-hmm. to understand the importance, which I think um, really has helped me to get to this point where I said I needed to leave Lifeline because I could see the same things happening again. And I, I'm a firm believer that life is a series of experiences. Um, and those experiences will continue to repeat. <laughs> like those consistent experiences, you'll be in that vibe until you break that cycle. So, yeah. Um, so resting in God while reflecting for me about these things that I've experienced, I guess, has is really been key for me. Um, yeah. And never feeling like I have it right because I doubt. <laughs> like I don't have it all figured out. Yeah. I have to feel something else, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, as you were talking, I was just seeing this and deep irony in that idea of, um, you know, love as is you love yourself. Mm. Like, yeah, if I did that, like, gosh, you would not like me. Like, <laughs> I really would like to love myself. Um, yeah. Um, you were talking about disciplines. Um, who are some people that you've watched do rest well? that you think, oh, I could emulate that? Or, like, what is it that they do that you think, oh, I need more of that in my life? Or are, are there people, maybe it's just like that with none of us have seen that mm-hmm. well. I don't know, I think when you do rest well, it's very private. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think, or maybe that's just not the introvert in me speaking, mm-hmm. that rest is private. Um, so I don't know if there are people that I looked up after and said you do rest well. Um, but there are people who do practices well that to me speak to rest. Mm. And I just go, wow, you do that so well. Mm. Um, so like uh, meditation, stillness, um, living life or a day or a Sabbath as if there is no obligation to anything, like having a day of nothing. Mm-hmm. And just being content in that and meeting mm. God in that is beautiful and not yet something Mm. Um, finding what brings you joy. Um, I don't know who the quote is by, but um, I just heard recently, play isn't the opposite of work. Play is the opposite of depression. And so I think people who find play and activities that just bring you utter joy and that revitalization is a really beautiful form of rest that we can lose because play is just not productive mm. at all. Um, I feel like we got a Nintendo during you. Um, yeah. lockdown, and that's just, I spend more than an hour on that and go, I've done 
nothing with the last hour. Mm. I've got no star in Mario. What about other people? <laughs> 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 <I'm> nothing. <laughs> So much research into who are the most compassionate people, like the leader who give and give and give. They said the number one common characteristic of people who do that well is good boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, like being able to say, actually, no, here is my one star in my area time. And I, like, I can't keep giving until I. Um, it's just so important. And yeah, you're, like, you're right, it's all that value idea. Like, I haven't done anything that society would say is like helping. That's such a lie. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how many self practices for um, meditation? Yeah, I love that we started our step mm-hmm. with the meditation. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. Um, I remember being at work um, at the bank, and it was so hard. And I found this one meditation. This lady who was doing meditations at my gym, and it just gave this brilliant gift to me of this peace of silence. Mm-hmm. My favorite um, verse is Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to experience that in the meditation and let go of all of the planning for the absolute mm-hmm. meditation. <laughs> 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 That's why I have a great idea. Yeah, that's a really big thing. But mm. as far as who do I look to, I don't think I look to anyone but me because our journeys are so different, hey? Like, so what works for you and you is going to be different for me. And it's just sort of asking those questions and, and feeling into it. And even though I'm an extrovert, hey? Like, um, I need that time to recharge on my own, too. I feel a very, uh, very much a disconnect with all people around me, but um, that stillness with God and nature, uh, that's it for me. Mm. Like, that's my go-to. Mm. Like, give me a hike, yeah. and I will be um, really able to say that I've been able to reset after that, mm. hopefully, three-hour journey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting, Joel, that you said, like, what does good rest look like for you? Because I think the other factor is that sometimes we look to the ways other people rest and think that's what I need to be doing to rest well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. And we all know like that the comparison is the thief of joy, but I think mm-hmm. rest is so personal. We see other people doing it so glamorously, like, oh look at them going mm-hmm. to the <laughs> Look at Nathan running like twenty kilometers mm-hmm. to rest <laughs> Burnout, or they're at risk of burnout, 
Um, what would you? Would you mm. Are there any words? We didn't prep that question. But. Well, the first word that I thought of when you were talking is stop. Mm -hmm. And just really stop, please, because you know what's going on. And I think it's really tied into what Hannah's saying about what we do when we look at the world and mm -hmm. how we do that comparison naturally to what we're supposed to achieve and what we've always been told, that conditioning. And go back to that place of your young self and who you really are mm -hmm. and all of that beauty before the world interfered with the person that you are. Uh, or that has shaped the person that you are, and just stop and take care of that that person inside, and your soul needs it. And I'm speaking from experience because I didn't stop. I just kept going and going and drinking and eating.
learn rest, give mm. each other permission for rest, and mm. then invite others into a rest. And that's mm. not a future rest. Mm. That's a rest mm. now. Mm. Mm. Well said. Well said. Mm. Um, well, I feel like that wraps up really nicely. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Um, can I pray for you two? And in that kind of pray for us as well. Yeah. Let me pray for you. God of rest, you are the God who created the Sabbath, who wove into creation six days of fruitful labour and then on the seventh a chance to stop and recognise that it is very good. God, we thank you that you have created us in community to pull one another up, to carry one another, to bring one another in, uh, and to say to one another, it's time to stop and it's time to rest, because you're enough as you are. God, I thank you for Eddie, and I thank you for Hannah. God, I thank you for the wisdom that you have given them, I thank you for their courage to share it. Uh, God, even through hard times of exhaustion and burnout, you have still woven together wisdom that we can now hear and use and apply and God I just thank you for the hearts that you've given both of them to encourage us to uh, be people characterised by deep rest uh, God we want as a community as a church uh, as New City Church to be uh, as Hannah was saying a place that we can invite people into where they don't feel like they have to do more or be more or act a certain way but where they can let their guards down and just say I need to stop and God we long to be a, a place where people can land and rest so God as we um, as we prepare as a community to open up our doors uh, God would we as a group here in this room tonight uh, commit to resting well together, uh, to modelling that. And God, we know that uh, the very narrative of rest goes so sharply against the narrative of our society because if we rest, we will miss out on things. And we will be seen as different or uh, as, uh, as something that doesn't fit the status quo. But God, that's because we know there is a far greater status quo. We know that our value is in being called children of the Most High God, uh, image bearers of the divine. So God, we pray that you would, uh, you would move in us to rest well. And God, in those times when uh, it, is, uh, it is right for us to work, would we have the courage to do that as well, so that others can rest? God, we lift up to you, Hannah and Nathan, we pray that you would continue to work in and through them, that they would truly know rest in this place and in their work and in their, uh, in their leisure time. Uh, ultimately, God, would you show them uh, the depths of your love for them. God, we pray all these things uh, because uh, Moses led the Israelites into rest in the promised land, but Jesus, you lead us into rest both here and in the new creation. We pray these things because of that. Amen. Amen. Amen.